And tonight we get an opportunity to see one of our friends up here that will be able to talk about um, his story. And you guys may have uh, may know him. He's on our greeting team. He loves to um, write name tags. But will you guys welcome Jake as he comes up here to share his story with us tonight? Come on up, man. So he's nervous, so be praying for him. I'm very nervous. Hello, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ who's in recovery from anger. My name is Jake. Please join me in prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this beautiful day. I want to thank you for celebrating recovery, that we have a place to come for working on our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Please be with me and bring me comfort as I give my testimony. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. I was born in 1970 in Modesto, the oldest child of a family of six children. My family was a poor Dutch farming family. My dad was first generation immigrant from Holland. My mom was from Ripon. They met and fell in love at Ripon Christian High. My spiritual education began as early as I can remember, as we grew up going to church, to the Christian Reformed Church every week. My dad served in the Army National Guard. When I was born, he was in basic training at Fort Orr. When I was five, my mom died of breast cancer. My only memories of her are being very sick. The one that stands out to me the most was going into her room when she was sick she was laying in her bed crying. When I asked why she was crying, she told me she had been yawning. As a young child, I knew that was not true. My dad had three of us before my mom passed away. Then two and a half years later, when I was seven, he remarried a Dutch Canadian woman and they would have three more of my siblings together. My stepmom seemed to be normal to me as a young child, but as she would often disappear for long periods of time. <clears throat> I was soon told she had severe mental illness and she was checked in for treatment. One of the ways I experienced her illness was that after each birth of my siblings, she would suffer severe postpartum depression. As I grew up, I don't understand much about this, but each time it happened, I grew more and more uncomfortable with who I was as I experienced a growing interrage. After my mom died, our family was torn apart. My dad lived by himself on the dairy as he ran it for his parents. My sister was sent to live with my mom's parents <clears throat> in Ripon while me and my brother moved in with my dad's parents on the dairy. Life only grew worse. My grandfather was a very angry man too. <clears throat> by this time, I was learning to stuff my inner anger and hide to avoid punishment. But my brother was more aggressive than me and he was beaten often. I now know my own anger was quickly being established by those 
whom I looked up to, and my own immature ability to control the pain that was in my life. My father was a very angry man. He ruled by his anger, and having no tools to handle it, he often beat us as children. When I was in junior high, he broke my arm during a whipping as I struggled to cover myself from his blows. When I went to school the next day, CPS was called and I was sent to a foster home. This scared me to death. What was wrong with me that I got punished and separated because of my dad's rage? It only lasted three weeks before I was sent home to the comfort of this dysfunctional family. That was my normal. Yet, it is clear, I never had the skill to get along with my, even my own dad. This is when I've been getting, getting in trouble. In response to my inner toil of not being loved, even by my own parents, I began stealing bikes and later progressed to motorcycles and breaking and entering, all to the expense of my inner growing rage. This would take me to jail several times in the coming years. I never did well in school, struggling just to get C's. I was never allowed to play sports like other kids because I was always pulled out to go back to work on the dairy. I was a loner living inside my head. As my anger grew, never having any close friends, when I began high school, I went to Oakdale High to be involved in FFA. There my life kept a downward spot trend. I was hanging out with the wrong crowd because they accepted me. As a freshman, I started smoking cigarettes. My dad quickly discovered this <laughs> and took me to the barn and made me smoke the whole pack in front of him. It worked at least. I got so sick I never smoked again, but I did start to chew later. I began drinking and smoking my first joint as a junior, but never liked the high. But I did grow to like the numbing effect of alcohol. As I began getting drunk, I always knew I had to get up early the next day to work on the dairy. This has some controlling effect on how much I would drink. I began dating in high school, but it was hopeless because I had to work seven days a week in my free time. Through all this, I don't remember my dad ever telling me anything positive, and he never told me he loved me. In high school, I could no longer control my growing rage and began fighting back against my dad. This never went well, as I always endured the verbal and physical abuse of my father. I was never paid a penny for all my work on the dairy. One day, a dairy worker from next door killed a co-worker with a crowbar and took off with his money to Mexico. When my dad saw the cops next door, he went to ask what was going on. The man told my dad, and his response was, so you need another milker? The man said yes, so he, so he said hire my son. I started at 1 p.m. that same day. The first time I had money in my pocket, I had very little opportunity to spend any of it because I was working so much, so I quickly saved up and bought my first truck. It was a beauty, Chevy Silverado. It was the nicest truck at Oakdale High. 
I gained some friends and girlfriends who wanted to ride my truck. During my senior year, when I was 17, my guidance counselor suggested I join the Air Force. My counselor wrote a letter to my dad suggesting this for my future. I saw it as an out from the drudgery of my life. A few days later, my counselor called me into his office and told me my dad would not sign his approval. I was sure it was because my dad did not want to lose a free worker. The last semester of my senior year, one day my dad and I were fighting. While he was busy in the barn milking, I went up to the house, grabbed what I could of my few possessions, threw them in my truck and left. I moved in with the buddy. Here I started drinking more and got involved with women for the first time in my life. This will lead to three DUIs over the coming years. I graduated high school with no direction. I tried to sign up with the Marines, but my police record kept me out. As I turned 18, I joined the Army National Guard and was shipped off to Fort Dix, New Jersey for boot camp. Unlike what I had always heard, basic training was a breeze. When compared to the pain of the life I had left behind, a drill sergeant yelling in my face was nothing compared to my father and grandfather. In the military, at least, when I did something well, I got praise. I became an expert, <clears throat> expert marksman because I was nat naturally good, but also because the praise I received filled such a void. I'd never been told I had ever done anything good. I ever had anything to offer, so I quickly became the best marksman. I also went to advanced individual training where I became a sheet metal mechanic working on helicopters. I soon came back to Oakdale and it went to work. With this newfound freedom, I lost control as women and drugs took over my life. I was already hanging out with the wrong crowd and many were doing crystal meth. I stayed away from it for some time but as scriptures say, bad company corrects bad character. So I eventually began using it too. Soon we decided to start selling to support our habits and make some cash too. That did not last too long. On one trip, we got pulled over in Calusa County. I had unpaid tickets, so I was arrested and put in jail. I had meth hidden in my shoe and the gig was up. They kept me in jail for eight months as I went to trial. I was sentenced to two and a half years in San Quentin. Just like the Merle Haggard song, I turned 21 in prison. On my birthday card that year, my dad said, you turned 21 in prison, mama tried, not another word. I felt alone and like a complete failure. I guess I was. When I got out, I moved in with a girl. I moved in with a girl in Calusa. She had become a pen pal when I was in San Quentin. When I was sober, I was sober and things seemed to be good, but I had left church behind. My dad's rage went to a whole new level and so did mine, especially when she began pressuring me to get married. I raged and kicked her out. I found myself living alone, working at the Williams Power Plant. I started drinking again, began chasing one woman after another until one day my dad called and needed to work her. I still had not learned much in my life, so I came back to the original source of my issues and went to work for him again. I quickly got another DUI and went back to prison for two and a half years. When I got out this time, I came home again. My dad had not changed. 
and I was only more angry, so things were not good. As is true in so many homes, even though I lived a life of chaos and anger, my dad went to church all the time. He made it clear from the beginning I was going to church with him or I didn't have a job or a place to live. I had no license because of my DUIs. And one day a friend said he would pick me up and take me to church. So I did not have to go like a puppy dog with my mom and dad every week. That was the deal. So in 1992, he took me back to Escalon Christian Reformed Church. There I signed up for a Bible study class, and it was in that church I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. About this time, I met my future wife at a store where I was buying some railroad ties. She hit on me, and we started dating. A couple years later, she got pregnant with my son, so we got married. The one thing I knew from my upbringing was hard work, so I became a workaholic. I was spending long hours at work, and once I did come home, we could not get along, so we found ourselves constantly raging at each other. We could never find the power to break this pattern. She eventually turned to alcohol and began, and began drinking. This only made things worse. As it escalated, I would come home late and she would be wasted. I would get angry. We would fight over and over again. In the midst of, in the midst of this mess, it became clear that she was unfaithful. Once the trust was gone, it only got worse. Yet, yet I was committed as a Christian to not getting divorced. My church was in the middle of our entire lives giving us counsel. For some reason, they never believed my wife was drinking and cheating, but were well aware of my anger. One night my wife came home at 2 a.m. drunk and told me outright, that she had just had sex with our next door neighbor. I went nuts and kicked her out. This was to be my bottom. The next morning, what seemed like the whole church showed up at my front door. And one man came out. And one man out of concern asked me if I was okay. I told my regret for being physical with my wife. I will never forget the words he said. He said, oh, you have an anger problem. You need to show up next Tuesday night at Big Valley Grace for Celebrate Recovery. Well, I did, and I've never left. This was... This was... This is over seven years ago. For the next year, I fought for our marriage, begging my wife to come to CR with me or at least get into counseling. She refused. Then one weekend, I took the kids camping, and when we returned, she admitted she was having a relationship with a 19-year-old dairy worker. This sent me over the edge. 
as I was miserable as a man could be, I proceeded to divorce her. As I began working the CR program, I was so sad that I had forgotten how to smile. I could barely lift my head to look someone in the eye. I was so low that I simply followed the instructions I received. I kept coming back because I, needed, I knew I needed help. I went to the first time guest group the first night, and the next week I went to men's anger group. For several weeks, I just sat and listened. Eventually, I began to open up. I heard that I need to get involved in service, so I signed up for the food team. In those early days, Michelle made a big difference with her positive attitude, given how low I was. Thanks, Michelle. People began to tell me over and over to get into a step study, but I was really stubborn and would not. It would take me over two years before I found the courage and strength to finally get into one. Finally, I got a sponsor and began to work the steps. In that group, I met a great group of guys. Most are still around and continue to be such close friends and a continual part of my recovery. As I worked through the steps with my sponsor, it was easy for me to realize I was powerless over my codependent anger and that it had brought me to the place that my life was unmanageable. The second step was the easiest because I had known Jesus for years. I just had never experienced his true power until I reached the third step and surrendered my life and hit to his care and control. This moment, while temporarily unleashed a spiritual awakening I had never before experienced. Little did I realize how important this was because who in the world would do an honest, searching moral inventory if they had not truly surrendered? I had heard a lot of how this step as the place where people disappeared. For me, I will never, I never felt like running, but it was still not easy. I had to go back and look at all the garbage I had done in my life. You know, I've only heard just a taste, but it was a lot. This did not feel good at all. But I did the work with my sponsor and got it done. The fifth step was worse because it was one thing to get through facing it all on paper. It was another to say it out loud to God, myself, and another person. It was, a mem it was memorable, to say the least. Because my issue is codependency and anger, it has been a real journey for me because unlike a drug addict who can know true sobriety, this is not nearly as easy to define, obtain, or maintain for my issues. So the seventh and eighth steps were helpful because they revealed that my anger was just a weed of much deeper roots that flowed out of never feeling like I was worth, worthy of love or could do anything right. Today, I work the 10th and 11th steps every day. 
I do my 10 step having a quiet time where I review my day and quickly admit where I have been wronged. I also spend a daily time with God and his word surrendering and seeking his will and the power to carry that out every day. Honestly, because how God made me, my favorite step is the 12th, giving back. And I do that in so many ways today. I'm doing it tonight by standing here in front of you, telling my story, which as you can tell has not been easy. Anyone who knows me has an understanding of how big this is for me. I have fought this moment for years because of my fear of rejection, vulnerability, and public speaking. This is a huge breakthrough. I have also served on the food team. I serve as a greeter. I do offering and facilitate men's anger group. I have co-facilitated a step study and serve as a sponsor. I also sing in the choir and have now gone on four mission trips and regularly give blood at the blood bank. To the newcomer, it is cliche, but keep coming back and recognize that recovery is filled with cliches that are born of wisdom of the millions who have gone before us and they have incredible life-changing ramifications if applied. I want to thank my sponsor, Gordon, for investing in me and making a huge difference in my life. I want to thank all my brothers from the anger group and the step studies. I love you. It would not be here without you. I want to close by making it clear that when I first walked through the doors of CR, I was a miserable human being. The pain I was in led me to an out of control inner rage that led me into a deep and dark depression that, could, that I could see no hope of any end to. I did not only, I did even, didn't even know how to smile. I was sure this would be the destiny I had to live. Today I stand before you, a transformed soul. My life has been turned around 180 degrees. And most days I am happy and filled with joy of my salvation. I have a great job. I have great friends. And all because of my great God who led me to CR and the tools that changed my life. If you're here tonight not wanting to be, please hear this. If this has happened to me, it can happen to anyone. Thank you for letting me share. You did it. I, like Scott Stubbert, remember, I think, the, the night Jake showed up. And uh, low is low, and he was the picture in the dictionary. He couldn't look me in the eye. He couldn't lift his head. And it's been a, an incredible joy to watch him grow. Uh, he's in love. His life's getting better every day. That's what recovery's about. And uh, this was huge for him to stand up and share that story. So would you... Let him know how much you love him, at least through your applause for uh, sharing that story with us. Oh. 
I told him he's going to make a thousand new friends tonight. Now there aren't a thousand here, but online, every this is going to go all over, and every person who hears it's going to love that man because God's power is made perfect in weakness, and and he's learned a great lesson today, uh, and he he's a man of courage. Uh, there's no doubt. So, one more time, give him a hand because I love the guy, and. Uh, With that, let's close with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen.